What's going on, guys? Today we are going to be doing our Minnesota offseason deep dive, Sam's hometown team. So, Sam, how did your beloved Timberwolves do this year? Oh, it was pretty much par for the course for them. They were bad. They had a 19-45 and 45 record that they finished 24th in offense uh, with 108.5 rating and a 21st on defense with about 112.7. Uh, they finished 14th in the West. They're the best West team not to be invited to the bubble. So congrats to them. Uh, they will not be in the playoffs. They are not in the bubble. And uh, they are third in the lottery, which gives them a 14% chance of getting the first pick. That's probably the most optimistic way to describe their season. The best team in the West that didn't make the, that didn't make the bubble. So you could say they're the best team in the Delete Eight. Uh, I mean, I don't even know if you could say that, could you? Probably not. <laughs> um yeah so i pulled a lot of those same uh team stats it's just so when i put a stats on nba.com first it pulls up traditional before you go to advance and i scrolled to those first and it said they were ninth in the league in points per game i was like wow that's surprising so then i looked at offensive rating which adjusts like per 100 and stuff and they dropped down to 23rd which uh you, you do you use cleaning the glass so that gets rid of the that gets rid of garbage time right yeah so 24th yeah. for cleaning the glass same thing yeah and then so uh yeah so i was like wondering what the main difference between that is why they can be ninth in points per game but 23rd offensive rating i figure that means they have to play fast and yeah it has them at the third fastest pace in the league and yeah i mean they we're actually a little better than I thought they would be on defense. They were 21st. Like Maybe there's some shooting luck in there, but I kind of expect them to be pretty close to dead last. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they they only had a negative 4.5 uh, or negative 4.3 point differential. So, I mean, they weren't as bad as like these other teams that we've been discussing uh, in the Delete 8. And like their expected win for 82-game season was 30, which is the higher than any other team we've covered so far um, besides like the playoff teams that we did at first. So, yeah, I mean, they, like I said, they're the they're the best of the, they probably <laughs> are the best of the teams that were left home, but they also, it's hard to even quantify exactly how their team was because they have an entirely different team from the one that started the season. They literally only have three carryovers, I think, uh, being Okogi, Culver, and Towns, and Towns didn't even play down the stretch. So, I mean, the, their uh, lineup from opening night to their lineup here down the stretch in what was February was down the stretch for this team is just completely different. Yeah, they made two really big moves, and those moves basically brought in Beasley, Juancho Hernan Gomez, uh, and D'Angelo Russell. So do you want to go in at all about like how they meshed with the team when they came over, how they perform? Sure. Uh, I, again, it's hard to take away too much because uh, Towns literally played two games with uh, since those trades, and only one of them overlapped with D'Lo. I think he sat out like the first game after the trade. He's nursing like a hamstring or something. But um, I mean, the newcomers that I was looking at closely, like Beasley, was amazing when he came over here. I think he shot forty three percent from downtown. He averaged uh, over twenty points a game, and he kind of looked like everything that. The Minnesota front office probably was hoping for when they traded for him. And uh, Wancho was also pretty good. He also shot well from deep. The Timberwolves actually like had a pretty good shot profile this year under Saunders. They um, I think their like location e goal percentage was in the top six, but like we said, they're like 23rd and 24th in offense. So they were they like kind of do the right things, but they just had no shooting on their team. Um, like Culver is like a 29% 
three-point shooter. Okogi can't really shoot. So, like, these two additions, uh, even Teague is, like, reticent to take uh, the deep ball, and Wiggins can't shoot either. So, like, Beasley and Wancho are actually a uh, breath of fresh air when they could come in and actually knock down jumpers. So, from that aspect, they were good. Um, and they were 30th in defense since those trades. I think they're, uh, like, tied for dead last. And even that was without Town. So, I know that Town's defense gets a lot of ridicule in mainstream media. So, I mean, you can't really blame that on him. Uh, not saying that he is a great defender, but they also were terrible when he, when he wasn't even playing. So, no, that's a quick snapshot. What, what did you see after the trades? Yeah, I mean, I saw Wancho and Beasley were both shooting the lights out. Um, Beasley was at really nice volume, too. I think he was at, like, eight or nine threes a night at 43%, which, I mean, that's insane. You can... You can accept a little bad defense for that. And like you said, uh, their defense was terrible when they came over. That's something they're definitely going to have to address at some point with their star player being a center who doesn't really play defense that well. It's really tough to build around. And then when you consider a lot of their players are kind of uh, offense-only type guys, they got some tough decisions to make, some things to really figure out. But I was looking at uh, the last 15 games of the season is where I pulled a lot of these numbers from, and that's kind of like right when the trades happened and stuff. And Culver actually had gotten his three-point percentage up to 38% on those last 15 games, so it was kind of encouraging, but he was still shooting like 45% from the free throw line during that time, so not so encouraging there. He was up to so e-field, yeah, he was up to e-field goal of, of uh, 55, but his like, true shooting was the exact same because the free throws were so bad. And, yeah, I think uh, Beasley and Wancho definitely played great. Uh, Culver got a little better as the year went on, and we'll see how all these new additions mesh, I guess, depending on what they do with them uh, this offseason. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Culver, he was kind of similar to Reddish. They were, uh, was, he was terrible at the beginning of the season, and even being, like, moderately below average was, like, a big step up for him. I think he had, like, kind of an eye-opening moment in his first couple months in the league. So he, he was a lot better uh, in the last couple months, but still not exactly, like, riveting returns from your sixth overall pick right off the bat. Yeah, I can't remember if he had a real injury, but I know he's held out of summer league and he didn't like yeah, he didn't play at all there. So I don't know. I can't I feel like it wasn't a real injury though if I remember correctly. So I don't know if that's a yeah, I don't know if that played a role like if he didn't get an offseason to work on his game or not, but I want to say it wasn't real. Yeah, I think it was just because they couldn't complete that trade until Oh, you know, yeah. like July 6th or whatever the actual date may be. So then he like came to Vegas late and then he like they said they were going to hold him out so he could like learn the plays better and like be integrated into the offense. But what I was saying at the time when we were out in summer league is what well, better way to get integrated with the squad than to actually play, like actually get get some reps in. So yeah, I don't think it was a real injury. I think it was like literally they wanted to slowly bring him on to the culture and whatnot. Yeah, that Minnesota culture. <laughs> yeah. Tried and true. Yep. Um, okay, so what do their books look like going into the offseason? Okay, so their cap sheet is, for a bad team, pretty darn stacked full. They have, um, pretty much they are going to have no cap space. So they have two big deals on their books in Russell and Towns. So they make uh, 29 and $28.5 million, uh, respectively. And then they have James Johnson, who is probably going to go ahead and pick up that player option of $16 million. And then um, beyond that, they mostly just have uh, rookie scale deals with the exception of the two guys they just traded for, which is Wancho and Malik Beasley. And so they have cap holds of about eight and 10 million a piece. Uh, Beasley's is the lower one, even though he probably will get the higher number. And so that's kind of what their big decisions will be in the off season. Um, but yeah, besides that, they have Okogi, Nas Reed, uh, Jake Layman's at like 3.7 million, but all these guys are like at one or 2 million. And then they have their t projected to be two first round picks. 
the one is a little bit shaky right now with Brooklyn putting out a roster that might give you a call shortly to <laughs> fill out the rest of their squad, but they're obviously going to have their own pick, which, uh, like I said earlier, is like the third position in the lottery. So I projected that between seven and eight million. And then the Brooklyn pick, which is probably coming, but we don't know for sure, uh, another like three million. So if you add that all together, it's like 125 million, which puts them well over um, our new projected cap of 109. So yeah, so they won't be players in free agency other than like the mid level. Yeah, at least they do have their full mid level right now. Um, I don't since we don't really know. We don't know for sure that the cap is going to stay at 109, so we definitely don't know what's happening with the tax because they could end up leaving that at the projected just because teams make plans and they don't want to like screw them over for how teams plan in the future because of this crazy event. Um, so I just still have my tax line set at the one that was projected for 2020, and that leaves them 14 million, 14.5-ish around there under the tax. So they're looking at, even if that drops down a few million, probably still having access to their full mid-level exception. Um, I'm not sure if they have their biannual, but if they do, that'd be they'd be able to use that because they're a good bit under the apron. Yeah, they do have it. Okay. Uh, just just one thing quickly. I I think I agree with you, but they I don't think they want to be a tax team if they're not a very good team, and they might get True. pretty close to it actually if they use the full nine. Um, they could probably maneuver around, but it's it's a it actually might be a little bit tight with running into the tax if they use the full nine million. Yeah, definitely agree there. Uh, depending on Beasley, what, depending on what Beasley and Juan get or don't yeah true i i'm looking at it uh with their holds but it's right. looking like the sum of their holds won't quite be what the two receive um so yeah and then like you said too depending what happens with beasley and wancho that kind of determines if they're going to have cap space the next year in 21 there's actually a route to some significant space so that also depends on what happens with the cap um but there's a good there's a chance they're looking at kind of just like d-low and cat and then a few basically everyone else being under like six six to seven million um that's before wancho and beasley so we'll see what happens with that but there is a route to space in 21 if they somehow get the word that one of the star free agents wants to come play with them yeah do you, do you think i looked at that too do you actually think that's realistic because i mean it would literally just be like cat russell and all like their recent first rounders and i think they could have like oh it's impossible because we don't know what the cap would be but i think it'd be like 25 ish million maybe 30 million but, I mean, do you think there's any way they would actually do that? No, and I think they'll probably end up signing Wancho and Beasley both to at least three-year deals. So I think that's definitely going to eat up that cap space. And there's probably going to be no one who's worth saving the cap space for anyway. Who Like, no one who'd actually come to Minnesota. No offense. <laughs> None taken. taken. Um, do you have any thoughts on, like, any of their end of the bench guys? Because I know they were cycling through some of those two-way guys and uh, end of the bench guys. And it seemed like, I think... Like, some of them actually played pretty well, but, I mean, I can't really speak on it too much. Do you have any opinions on any of those guys? Yeah, uh, McLaughlin is a guy who, first when he first came to the team, I literally was like, what is he doing? Like, I don't even know if he belongs in the G League. He was, like, really bad, maybe just his first, like, five games. Looked really shaky, but then uh, towards the end of the year, he, like, had some real moments, and, like, I actually think he can play, and, like, I don't think he is, like, a stud for a backup point guard by any means, but, like, he certainly is serviceable. Like, he's kind of, like, unexpected burst to the hoop. Like, he can actually get up and dunk it, and he has a decent jump shot. I think he's, like, around 37, 38 from deep. Uh, and he just seems like a smart player. I actually do like McLaughlin uh, a lot more than I expected to, and I, I do think he can play. Uh, Keelan Martin, if that's the other one you're referring to, I think he's rather two-way. I didn't see a ton from him. I know he's supposed to be a shooter. Like, he's a like that was his calling card in the G League. 
and I know he kind of struggled uh, to shoot with the big club at first. He kind of seems just like another guy. Like, sure, maybe, maybe if you had like two injuries, he could spot you like 12 minutes, but I don't think he's anything too special. I actually do really like Nas Reed. Um, I don't know if you were considering him end of the bench or not, because he, he actually started down the stretch when Towns was hurt, but he can stretch. I know that his three-point percentage like dipped a little towards the end, but he... I mean, he's labeled a shooter. He can shoot. Um, I don't know. If yeah. He, maybe maybe if he has a lot bigger sample, he can show it a little more. Yeah, I was a fan of his game in college. I was pretty surprised when he went undrafted. Um, maybe there's yeah. some stuff going on there where he didn't want to take a two-way contract or he would have went like earlier or something like that. I don't know. But I was pretty surprised to see him go undrafted. But then I saw, I believe it was draft night, he like inked that like three or four-year deal with Minnesota. So... I mean, clearly people knew he could play, and I think it took a while for him to get a chance in the uh, this season. But, yeah, I mean, I'm a fan of his game, too. Center that can stretch the floor, and he's got a little bit of ball skills to him. He's got a good body, too. Maybe he just got to look, maybe he can learn to turn that into somewhat passable defense. So I think there's definitely a solid play there, and it's a pretty good deal to have. I think he's non-guaranteed the next two years, so that's pretty solid contract yeah i thought they did really well to get him i think you're right it was either like right after the draft or like the next morning that he was like already uh signed to come play with the summer league team and then he got a deal shortly after that but yeah it i mean he's on like the three or four year non-guaranteed so that's just like and that's like a home run in terms of like a small small bit player like any minimum that you can just have team control going forward is is great so like him um that's kind of all of them um i don't know spellman didn't even play for the wolves after they traded from from the warriors and jacob evans maybe played like three games i don't i don't even think i saw him out there yeah it's kind of wild how they didn't have spellman come play with the big league squad at all because he's the one guy not the one guy but he's someone who like i'm kind of not ready to give up on yet just because there's the i think there's the potential for that uh obviously not high level but just to some extent being that center who stretches the floor and then block shots on defense which is kind of like the like perfect role player mold that a lot of teams are looking for nowadays out of their center spot. And I definitely think there's some potential for that. Um, I think he's done it a little bit here and there, especially when he was able to like get it, get it just weight down and stay in shape in golden state. So that's someone who like, I would be definitely looking to take a flyer on just as like any team looking for a center, um, any young team looking for a center. So I'm actually kind of surprised that Minnesota had like no interest in him. Yeah, it seemed to be not the most straightforward like reporting when they traded for him. I, like he seemed to be sort of unhappy that yeah that we wanted to send him to the G League. Or we Minnesota wanted to send him <laughs> to the G League, but but yeah, I don't know. Like he never came here, he never played, and I didn't hear a ton about it. I think there was some general soreness about. Uh, about the situation on his end. Okay, what do you think their team needs should be? So I have down that they need uh, defense, defense, defense. That was their biggest issue this year, other than not staying healthy. Uh, so they, they need to find guys who can play defense, uh, particularly on the wing. And then also, I mean, they have a couple guys at the wing, but they need like a rim protector because town seems to be not really fit for that. And then uh, they do have Okogi and Culver who are like build uh, as defensive stoppers of sorts, but they're, I think they're both like a little bit too small for the bigger, like small forwards that are that are really going to punish you. So another defender on the wing. Also, also D'Angelo Russell is uh, not known for his defense by any stretch of the imagination. McLaughlin is kind of smaller. He's more like hustle and grit, but not really a lockdown defender. So really defense uh, at every position. Maybe the two is like the one spot they don't. 
then I have I've resigned Malik Beasley. I thought he played uh, very well when he came here. I think that they he's like their prize possession for their prize return for Robert Covington. I think it would look really bad if he left. Probably doesn't mean that you just like blindly give him whatever he wants, but I just think that would be a really tough look if he left. And also, they don't have a great way to replace him unless you maybe wait till next summer. Like like we said, they'd have to let both of the restricted guys go and not sign anyone to a long-term deal to really have any flexibility next summer. Uh, then I also have just gaining some continuity. So Caddis had three different coaches in his time in Minnesota and then approximately 500 teammates. That's that's an estimation. But like he, besides Okogie and Culver, he's only had one game with, with this new crew that I sort of alluded to earlier. Um, they, they need someone who can slash and like finish at the cup. So like D'Lo is really good at kind of the ISO game, but it's always like led to a step back three or maybe getting to the line a little bit, but or like even mid range, he can knock down shots, but he's not really like a get all the way to the hoop and finish through you, finish over you type of player. And I don't really think Beasley's the greatest slasher either. So I think that they could really use a guard that could like slash and finish at the cup. So that's a lot of needs already. I'll let you take the role. Yeah, just a, a real quick comment on that point you made. Uh, with D'Lo and now Beasley and Cat, like that's a lot of shooting, a lot of space in a lineup, especially considering how much gravity Cat actually has. If you throw a slasher in there, they can probably um, they can probably do really well with the floor of that spread. But yeah, I agree with most of those needs. Uh, obviously, they need some defenders. Probably could use a little more shooting. Uh, just coming off the bench, you can kind of a lot of these players need shooting around them. Like Cat uh, Russell is going to be at his best when he has more space to operate in. Probably need one or two more people you can trust off the bench to shoot. Um, I kind of think they need another dynamic ball handler, someone maybe maybe Beasley really is that. Like I don't really know how comfortable he is. Like um, at, like how real his scoring was when he went to Minnesota. Like I'm sure he's still he's gonna be able to provide some version of that, but I just don't know how well he'll be able to get his own shot. So that's I think they could definitely use that. But I guess to just use that to go right right into the offseason strategy. Um, like looking at just building around a center who doesn't protect the rim, like he's just historically great on offense, but it's it's such a challenge. Like trying to think about team building, like you kind of have to get it out of one of your forward spots then, which isn't quite as common out of the forwards. So that's something they have to consider. And then, I mean, you're not even really sure that Delo is a keeper on this team or what his role on a good team could be. So there's, um, they just kind of, I think they're still in asset accumulation mode. Like they're still trying to get that second star, but. I just don't really know how what the ceiling is with Cat being your first star. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on just like a general strategy for them? Yeah, I think that the front office would definitely push back on you saying that D'Lo is not necessarily a keeper long term. I mean, they maybe they give up. They give up. I mean, unless they were just doing it to appease Cat to like kind of keep him happy for another couple of years. But I think that they think he. I mean, they try to court him in the off season, right? They had famously or infamously had them. Had him in like a helicopter and they were recruiting him and then he just like signed with the Warriors. Like I, I don't know if he was in the helicopter or like it was shortly after, but I think that they think he is definitely part of their future. I do agree with you though that they probably should still be just trying to accumulate assets, which might lead to um, their first round picks this year, just probably taking players who, who are the, the best available rather than a fit, because like you said, it's questionable how good this team can really be with those two anchors. But for just for general strategy, I just really think they, it's all about the draft and and re- retaining or choosing not to retain the the restricted guys this summer because I think that they kind of made their push 
maybe not their all-in push. Like they still do have. I mean, they have two first-round picks this year. They could trade. I mean, in theory, they could sign Beasley and then trade him in like six months or whatever. Like, so certainly not. And Culver, it probably has some potential to get other teams around the league. I think we talked about him for a couple teams earlier. How maybe he's like a buy-low candidate. So they certainly aren't like completely out of options. But they did make their two big trades. They re- they revamped the whole roster around Cat pretty much. And I think that they just have to take a look at what this squad looks like. I, I don't know if Rosas will be patient because he seems to be like a gunner. He traded. He didn't like the 11th pick. He wanted to trade up for the 6th pick. He did that. He didn't like Teague. He didn't like Covington. He didn't like Wiggins. Or if he didn't like them, he didn't like their exact fits with the current roster. And he just like has changed everything over. So maybe he'll continue to do that. But I almost think it's time for him to sit back a tiny bit and just see what he actually has put together. Because Towns had the unfortunate uh, wrist injury that sidelined him for whatever, 20 games down the stretch. Also, they obviously didn't get to finish the season. They were 17 games shy. So, like, it would have been really helpful for them to actually see how these guys gel together. So, I don't know that they'll be that active other than really trying to hone in on these picks and doing it right. And then also perfectly calibrating how much they want to offer to the RFA guys in Beasley and Wancho. Yeah, like you said, they're um, they made their big moves. So whether or not like we think those are the right moves, whatever, like this that's, this is kind of where they are now. So you kind of and they did that because that's what they believe in. They maybe it was to make Cat happy, but it's also I'm sure they believe in the Russell Towns future. So that's kind of just I think the way we have to operate now is just assuming that that's how they're going to build and just what's the best way to go from there. And yeah, there's not too many things you can do this off season really other than the draft. You got your mid-level exception, but I mean, you're probably not going to get anyone good enough who warrants going into the tax. Um, yeah. You, and then I think you can test the waters on some sign-in trades like with Beasley and Wancho, but I mean, Beasley played so well, like, I mean, you probably just want to keep him honestly. And then, uh, and then you can say, like you said, trade him in like six months or something like that. Uh, Wancho, shooting the lights out here and he's just got uh, some some potential on defense too so I'll probably want to keep him um and yeah i mean i guess you're just kind of looking at what's the best fit of players to play in between cat and delo or delo and cat going forward you're one and your five so um that's they're probably in a position now where they're just sitting back we'll see or they should sit back we'll see if that's what they do you sound pretty skeptical. Do you are you not too thrilled with those two guys? If those are your kind of your two key pieces, that well, I'm, I guess I'm just kind of it's an unknown. Like I don't let's just throw out Delo for a second. Like I don't know, like, I don't know how like far a cat led team can be. But also something I've brought up on like previous pods, like kind of just I gotta sometimes I have to like make sure I'm just not thinking about like only championship or bust type things. Like sometimes you just want to build a good team for a fan base to see a good team and just try and be good for like six seven years at a time or something like that so i'm confident you can do that with cat and then delo is just i mean i just don't even know is he good <laughs> like there's just so many like uh conflicting factors and i don't know it's just kind of tough to really see how much delo actually contributes to winning but then the thing that gets me is when their weaknesses are like the exact same thing like guard defense isn't that big of a deal but i mean delo can be pretty bad like he can give he gives up like straight like as they'll say on 2K, he gives up like the LA to the basket where you just kind of no pressure at all. Someone goes right by him at the point of attack and doesn't really matter how good of a defender Cat is when like you're giving people free runs to the basket. And I don't know, I'm just kind of worried about just those two. But I feel like both those two guys have questions in general, but then their weaknesses just like compound each other to be like even weaker. So yes, saying I'm skeptical is definitely correct, but like I still think good team can be built around them. But I don't know. I think it's just something tough to figure out. Yeah, so you, you say you're not exactly sure how good Delo is, and I'm kind of in the same boat. 
but I think I'm maybe wondering why. So he, I looked up some of his ISO stats and he was like, <laughs> it was actually funny. So I was trying to find him and he was like, I filtered it with like one and a half attempts a game or something in the ISO isolation. And he was ninth in efficiency. But then when I was like counting the guys above him, I realized he was ninth as a warrior and he was first as a Timberwolf. So he was on there twice because just the way they had it sorted. But, and he also had the lowest turnover percentage of anyone uh, when he's ISOing. So I don't think he probably passes too often out of it. That's kind of what that tells me. But also just that he is a pretty careful player. I think he was billed as, as like a pretty good passer coming out of college. Like people really like that part of his game too. Um, but I did see that he was like w- much worse in the pick and roll. But I mean, ISO scorer, a high volume three point shooter at a decent clip. That's kind of like everything you want in a lead guard nowadays. And and you said that point guard defense is like not crucial. So I guess I'm not, I guess I'm a little bit confused why most people, and I'm not even saying it's wrong, just like why people don't like him that much. Yeah, maybe that's good points like about how good like um how he kind of is the prototypical where he has a lot of like the factors you draw up if you're drawing up like a just lead ball handler nowadays. Maybe it is. Like, I know a lot of it for me is just the defense is so bad. Like he's like probably one of the worst guard defenders in the league. And part of it is just because he is very slow and doesn't move his feet well. And then I think part of it probably is an effort thing. Maybe there's potential to where he can get to being passable if he had a coach who probably forced him to buy in and like he wasn't. And it was clear like maybe after a few years of like seeing how bad he could he was on defense, maybe then he realized. Like he, he has to try and stuff with his size. Maybe he could get to being passable. But I think the defense is a big thing for me. And yeah, you're right. I mean, you bring up a lot of good points there. Like, those are like a lot of quality stats and quality things you look for. And he really was like built as like someone with like great vision in college. Like, he, I know he's like always throwing like, um, like kind of passes like behind half court, leading someone to the basket and stuff like that. And Minnesota, like the stat I pulled, they played at the third fastest pace in the league this year. Maybe he gets a little bit more of that now that he has like a lot of like shooters around him and stuff. Like, because in his Nets days where he was like having some success, like basically one or two of like the league guards was always hurt. So he kind of was, would be like the only ball handler a lot. And maybe that's why he developed some habits where he, he doesn't quite pass as much as he used to. But I don't know. There's definitely the potential for like this roster to bring the best out of him offensively. So. I mean, yeah, I think you probably have just talked me into it a little bit more just because I didn't realize um, just how, like, some of the stats you pulled. And just then I kind of didn't think about the fact that I guess this is kind of an ideal situation for him where there's likely going to be one of the better outcomes. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even necessarily trying to convince you. I guess I'm just, like, trying to talk it out. Like, I, I'm a little bit curious I why, like, people aren't very high on him. I think the Warriors, people thought that he played maybe selfishly or not just like not the greatest team ball with the Warriors but I mean they they had such a bad roster when he was out there so I kind of throw most of that away and I mean he had a like a breakout season in his last year with the Nets it's kind of weird he's been on four teams and he's like 24 years old so that also throws a wrench in it I don't know like I guess I'm just really curious to see how he actually looks with Towns and unfortunately we didn't get to see any of that last year yeah so it'll be interesting Uh, I think one thing we Definitely agreed on, though, was that we think the best way to get, I mean, the most reasonable path for them to get better now is just kind of through the draft. They have three picks in the top 33 this year with their first pick. They have like just as good as, they're the third worst record in the league, so they have just as good as odds as the first two teams that get the number one pick at 14%. And then they're looking at the worst that could fall is to seven. So I guess we're gonna what we'll do since the draft is so important for them, we'll just kind of talk way more specific than we have in the past about draft prospects. So Sam, you've been doing a good bit of research on this for them, and you have uh, some opinions on this. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly no expert like we've talked about before, but the last like, couple of weeks I've been going pretty hard on the draft. I do love the draft. I just, I don't watch a ton of college where I have like catalogs of videos that I'm rifling through, but just reading anything I can get my hands on and some uh, highlight clips and as well as strength and weaknesses and big boards, all the fun stuff. So yeah, I have been getting a little bit deeper into it. I guess I had, I think I already know where you land on this, but one general question first. So I know that like, kind of like the sharp way to go nowadays is just like best player available, best player available. But would you, is there a place where you'd stray away from that in particular with a team like Tim Rolfs where like a center, I mean, I know from the last, from the Warriors talk, how you kind of are down on most centers anyway, unless they're like transformational, but like, would, would you step down a couple spots to avoid like total redundancy or like if you're the, or do you think if you're the Wolves, you don't have that much going for you anyway. Take the best player available, maybe trade them later. Like, do you have a stance on that for them in particular? Uh, well, in general, usually I'm kind of like maybe stay in the same tier. Like, and if you have like a one positional, like looking at your big board, if you have one positional fit that makes so much more sense on your current roster, which usually isn't the best thing to do, but if it's like kind of guys you have in the same tier, like I think that's it's perfectly justifiable then to like uh maybe take the person who thinks the seventh best available instead of the fifth because of you have them in the same tier, but it's just positional fit way better. And then to get to the Wolves specifically, like you mentioned, I'm usually, I'm very low on drafting bigs high in the draft just because positional scarcity and the fact that something you actually brought up last pod um, when we were talking about the Warriors, like where you can probably get someone better for like not even the full MLE, like in free agency. So it's just kind of like, I don't, and then, when you couple that with the fact that like primary ball handlers and wings are kind of just where the game is today and how those are just so much harder to find and like you kind of have to have like, probably like two or three of both like that just makes i mean i think it just makes so much more sense to lean towards that so as the wolves and then when i consider this draft looking at like uh kind of the top prospects uh like you know, james wiseman Anyeka, and then obi Toppin, i just can't see any of them moving the needle for one and then two like this is like one of the few situations where as a team with um as a bad team like there's some like positional need that would or because of someone on my current roster i wouldn't take it like with carl anthony towns my roster like i don't think i'm taking a big especially when we have him under contract for four more seasons and just the fact that he's not really that versatile of a big like i don't know how many bigs we can actually play with them and he already has his like severe defensive weaknesses so i kind of would want a forward that's going to make up for that and i don't think that's any of those guys uh, i just talked about too so it's really tough for me to see uh myself drafting a big as the wolves okay so kind of what i thought you would say the only thing is so i'm with you with wiseman i wrote one word next to wiseman i just said no for the wolves <laughs> and then i moved on so i completely agree i just think whatever fit with cat would not be good and i think he's super raw and i don't think that they want to wait forever but i am slowly coming around to the idea of ob Toppin. so in that scheme it's just like all right we're gonna be trash on defense but mm -hmm. let's just go for it and i don't know he can rim run he seems pretty athletic the wolves could use a dash of athleticism i think in their lineup um with their kind of cat is a little more ground bound i mean he can grab an lu but he's certainly not elite at that uh, Russell's not a high flyer by any means. Wancho, kind of same thing. Like, outside of Culver and maybe Okogi, who aren't even like integral parts of their offense, they don't have a ton of athleticism. So I think Obi would give him that. He can shoot a little bit. I think he would be good in the fast break with D'Lo 
Uh, the Wolves uh, are not very good in the fast break. They they don't run very often, even though you said their pace was highest. So they must just be shooting early, but they're actually like in catalog with transition. I think they're like 26th or something in points per play. Uh, so at least even when they did run, they weren't good at it anyway. Um, so I think that he could open up their offense, but I get, of course, the counter B, do you really need to open it up further? And like, are you just going to get gashed on defense? But uh, do you think it's crazy to just go all in on offense or bad? Well, Maybe not crazy, bad. Well, for starters, I kind of literally agree with everything you said, even to like the, the two counters too that you said. I was like, yeah, that's, <laughs> those are the two counters to it. So agree with all that. Um, said, would it be crazy to go take him and go all in on offense? Um, I guess it kind of just depends where maybe if they like fall to seven or something like that, like the worst possible case. And like, there's, they're definitely not getting one of the top ball handlers and they're, they're like the wing they like the most isn't available or something. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a way to go. I think it's not the craziest thing because maybe that ups someone's trade value or something just because you're scoring so well. And I don't know, that defense would just be so bad. Um, I'm just trying to think of the long-term effects of that. Like, I'm, how do you think that would help them reach the playoffs any sooner by like going like crazy on offense and then maybe just trying to fill out the roster with defenders through like free agency or something like that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just really interesting to think about. Like, could they kind of fake it? Like, start implementing like zones and switching things up, almost like Toronto. Not that Toronto fakes it, but they like to throw different different looks at you and. Um, maybe some guys can develop still a little bit more. Like, I don't know. Like, I was looking a little bit closer at, at Towns, not to labor the, his defensive point too long, but the, they actually weren't that bad the, two years ago and three years ago when, on defense with him on the court. They were, like, 18th and 23rd. Obviously, that's not great, but they weren't, like, the dreadful, like, 25th, 30th. Because if they could be... I mean, if, if they got top in and they had, like, the best version of him, and then D'Lo and Cat really mashed, like, could they be, like, the fifth best offense or seventh? I don't know. If they had, like, the... Some, somewhere in that range of offense. I mean, you have shooting everywhere. Whatever. We haven't seen him play. But even if they were, like, 7th on offense and, like, 20th on defense, that would maybe get you into the playoffs. Again, you, you tend to look a little bit on, like, the championship window and, like, elite team building, which, of course, I think you should do. But if you're a bottom feeder like Minnesota, maybe that's not, like, the first rung that you try to reach. Maybe you just try to be relevant or you maybe try to claw to 40 wins before you think about, like, 55 so I don't know. I it would be scary for sure to to bring him in. But I think we talked about before. Like defense is usually cheaper to find. Um, they do have a couple of wings that can play some defense. But yeah, you need to you need to maybe use your MLE or like your other first round pick on somebody like you can dream on for defense. Like ultimately, I don't think just pushing every chip into offense is that smart. But given the situation they're already in, I would at least consider it. I'd kick it around in the office. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's crazy. Uh, one more counter I'll make, though, is they kind of are basically already all in on offense, like except for like Culver and Koji and stuff. So maybe they're already in that position where they adding like one more player. Like, yeah, I mean, he'd be he'd he'd fit in great on offense, but just. Don't really know how many touches he'd even be able to get at that point. And then if he's just like only in a handful of touches, low usage, and maybe it's just not, and then he's just like absolutely terrible on defense. It could end up like the net of that could just be like pretty bad. But yeah, I mean, I agree with most stuff you said. Yeah, no, I can see that too. Like diminishing returns, like there's only one ball, right? And you, yeah. a lot of times Cat and Russell are going to be running the show. So how much will he get? Um, so then kind of the complete opposite of that, and someone you already pushed aside is like a Kongwu. So, I mean, if he, he's like build on like straight, his like all about his defense, right? And you, we've been talking about, and people talk about how Cat kind of isn't your main cog on defense. So, like, why wouldn't you like him as a four next to Cat? I don't hate brief it. Look if, you know. Yeah, I don't hate it. But I mean, that's kind of the idea of that one just comes down to value play. Like, I'd much rather take a chance on a wing 
there instead of uh, him because I do think he'd be solid. Maybe play some spot minutes with Cat um, to help out on defense, and then be like uh, give you a different look and be your backup center as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't hate that fit, but it's kind of just like I think you can kind of find a player at the minimum to do that type of stuff. I mean, like you can find just kind of like a Marvin Williams type or something like that, just someone who's like kind of like okay at everything or whatever. And I just don't really see any superstar potential from that pick also. So, yeah, yeah I'm kind of just leaning towards I'd rather take a chance on like getting a high-end wing or the next best primary ball handler. Okay, so moving off of big guys. So one of my favorites is Devin Vassell. I think you said you liked him too. But do you think he sounds kind of like a little redundant with Beasley? I mean, I know he's supposed to be a better defender, but... Um, I mean, maybe positional-wise, because I think a lot of people probably see Vassell as that 3 and D type. He's not quite big enough to be like your 4 consistently, and he's probably better off guarding 2s and probably 1s. But, I mean, I don't know about, like, game-wise. I don't really know how much I see them overlapping. And then also, it's kind of the fact that I think he does have enough size to where he can play the three and maybe maybe not the four, but you can find someone else to play the four. But it's kind of the idea of two through four. You can play three wings at once. or like, And they have a lot of guys. Like They have guys like Okoji or um, Culver who could be, like, one of the other guys to help make up for like one of them being kind of smaller or something like that. That's true. But yeah, I'm, I'm pretty high on Vassell. Yeah, so I mean, you, what, you can take it any way you want. Like, so what, what were you looking at for their, like, kind of optimal draft slot? So, yeah, just looking at, obviously, if they end up with a number one, two, or three pick, that's where uh, I think things get a little tougher there because then you have to really look into if you want to go with one of those primary ball handlers like uh, Hayes, Edwards, or Ball, or if you want to trade back and try and get one of the wings. So I guess just kind of the way I see it is... I would love to be able to get one of those uh, primary guys. I know Edwards kind of do, maybe, I don't know, because I think I'm thinking about him now. And like, obviously, I don't want to make a decision on the number one pick based around Malik Beasley. Uh, but I think that would be like that. He gets kind of a little, little tougher to play with them. And just because he has the tools to be good on defense, but we, I mean, he's had some bad awareness and just, People don't really know if he has, like, that dog in him. So we'll see if he's actually a good defender when he gets to league, if he can put his tools to use. But it'd be kind of tough to play him, D'Lo, and Beasley at once, uh, and then Cat being your big. So maybe I would lean towards trying, if you get one of those picks, wanting to trade back to that 4-7 to seven range anyway to pick up one of the wings. Like, um, I know people are pretty high on uh, Denny, and then you got Okoro and Vassell, basically. I like I think out of that group, I definitely prefer Vassell just because, I mean, I think his shot's the most real as of now. He's a great team defender. Uh, I've actually watched like a good bit of film on him, just like watching him on defense. He's seems like he's always communicating. Florida State, they basically play like, three or four wings at all times, and they're like always communicating switches and stuff. And like that's like a sign right there. If you just see someone who's like always talking on defense, like that's just they could have bad tools and stuff. But if you're like always talking and stuff like that, um, you can probably at worst be average. And with his tools, I think he's he ended up being a plus defender. And I know some people are pretty high on his not high, but they were like higher than like most on his ability to put the ball on the floor and like the fact that he's like a super hard worker. So maybe he that pull up jumper game he has actually develops a little bit more and he can kind of be like a three and D guy who does a little bit extra. Um but yeah, I think I don't know. I love the like I said, I love the idea of like taking a chance on a primary ball handle like a Hayes, Edwards or Ball, but the fit does get kind of weird when you're most likely bringing back Beasley on a long term deal and you have D Lo and all and both of them are already bad defenders. So maybe I I think I'd lean towards Trading back, trying to get to that four to seven range and take like what, uh what if you can't trade back. I don't know. That's that's a tough one then. Do you just 
maybe you just do it. I don't know. Yeah, I'm kind of torn. Like, I'd have to really look into it a little harder. But I really like the idea of one of uh, Vassell on their roster. And then if you can find a way to get one of the primary ball handlers and just that, I guess that kind of be saying, going back to what you're saying with Obi Toppin, kind of just figuring out defense later. But just maybe one of those guys blossoms and you can have a great, like, and all of them got size too. So you would be like D'Lo and another like big guard just running the show with Cat and then maybe just fill in whatever 3 and D wings you can at the 3 and 4. I mean, I think that could be a, that type of roster has a good bit of potential. Yeah, I I would be hesitant to put like another primary ball handler, kind of like you were as well. I think I would be in, at least in my early stages of researching this. I think I would be on board with Edwards just because it seems like he has maybe it's only like a twenty percent chance, but he seems like he has the most like upside that you can just dream on, and I'm always going to be drawn to that. I think like we were talking about a little earlier how he had like the one amazing game against uh, Michigan State. Uh, I do worry that like he's been labeled as uh, like a volume scorer type, which is sort of what D'Lo is also, and they already have Cad who can score a lot. So yeah, he he might have a clunky fit, and I've heard people say that he has like a small bite of Andrew Wiggins in him, which definitely scares me. But I think I would like him the most. I mean, like if he really is electric, and you said he has like defensive tools, maybe he doesn't like try hard enough. Maybe you can, hopefully you can fix that. But like him and Beasley, I don't know. Like, like, like you said earlier, I wouldn't make my number one or number two overall pick based on like Beasley, even if I did just re-sign him. So I think that I would like Edwards. Um, certainly like Vassal, Vassal, like you said. Okoro also I had uh, pretty high on my list just because he's like a big wing that can defend and like you already have shooting at the one, two, and five. Just another guy that can fill out your roster that kind of, uh, he's like beefier than Okogi. I think he could actually stick on like threes and maybe even some fours. He seems to have um, just the prototype that would fit well. And yeah, like I said, I'd definitely be more hesitant on the like ball dominant guards. Yeah, it's tough. Um, just part of, part of what makes it so hard is the fact that like there's so many defensive liabilities on the roster, or I'd be more willing to go with one of those guards. Um, and I do something I touched on earlier too is like there's the idea of D'Lo and Cat and like three wings in between. So that's kind of another reason why I'm drawn to like some of the top wings in this draft. And it's tough with Okoro. Like he's probably one of the guys I've done the least uh, just of my own research on. I've just kind of listened to a lot what a lot of the people I trust say. But you have Culver. And you have a Koji, and uh, some, something we've always touched on, though, you don't want to make, like, future roster decisions because you don't want to compound decisions, like maybe a previous mistake. Like, you don't want to make another one because because of the mistake you already made. So maybe he's, like, the one who actually ends up being, like, the best defender out of those three, and he has a little bit more size than a Koji. But it's just, I think I'd rather just having those two on my roster already, and I think we know they're both legit defenders as it is now. And then you have... Culver, who's flashed some things in the last 15 games and has some more potential and showed some things in college, has a little bit more to explore with this game. Maybe he can be that kind of, like, not Chris Middleton, but just, like, a lot of Chris Middleton-type things where he's a good defender, good second or third ball handle on offense, good enough shooter. Like, he can kind of be that piece that you put in between Cat and D'Lo and maybe be your four, maybe your two, maybe your three, whatever. But I think he could end up being a crucial piece. So I think I would lean definitely towards the wings who can shoot a little better. Um, that's why, like, Vassell is probably number one for me. I guess maybe, like, my number one on, like, I guess what I call my Minnesota big board would be Vassell. Yeah, I, I don't I don't strongly disagree. I just, I guess I would say that from what I've read and seen, that seems like, like an overdraft and that you could maybe slide down in order to get him. But, but maybe not. People say that opinions are all, all across the map in this draft. So maybe you, like, trade down to five, then he's just gone, and then you feel like a fool. 
So, I mean, maybe you just do that. Obviously, the first pick also comes with, like, the biggest salary. So, I don't know. It, it feels like a reach, per se, if you just took him at one. But we also have three more months for scouts to change their mind and just, like, arbitrarily push people up and down their boards, kind of like we've already seen with, uh, like, LaMelo flying to number one in the last couple of months. So, yeah, I mean, I... I really do like Vassal. I think I would take Edwards, but I haven't yeah, I haven't done that much on him. And regardless, I think that this is important because I don't know if we said it specifically, but they don't have their pick next year unless it's top three, which would mean that their season went horribly or that they got extremely lucky and they hit from like the 12th or 13th spot. But then it would be unprotected after that. So they don't have a pick next year and they do have a young team, but how long is Cat going to want to be like, an all-NBA type player and just lose, lose, lose. So it's like, it feels like it's early because they also just got D'Lo, but it's maybe not that early for them to really, really figure this out <laughs> in a hurry. Yeah, the more I think about it too, I'm like, I just don't know if I can put Vassell, someone who projects to be a role player, but has right. potential to do a little right. more. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know how high I can actually rank someone like that, but it's just, I don't, and I'm trying to like make sure I don't focus too much on the fit now, but also it's kind of like this might be what like the roster looks like going forward. They don't have their pick next year. They just made their big moves to acquire someone and they lock Cat in long term. Like maybe we should worry about fit a little more this draft. I mean, I don't know. So a lot of tough decisions to make. Um, do you have the only, any thoughts? The only other thing I'll say quickly is that since they probably maybe likely do have that pick at like 15 or 16, maybe you can take like your home run upside pick at like four and then if you like a like a three and d or somebody you are very confident being a role player at like 15 that's just a thought too where yeah you can worry more about fit at that other spot yeah i was about to transition to the 15th oh, pick to, uh, that pick too so um are there any like specific guys who you think might be available there or do you want to talk like some more general strategy like that first because one thing I was thinking is maybe you just go for two wings no matter what, like at one and 15, or whatever that pick is at, at that and then 15 and just the idea of trying to like just find the two more who could potentially fit and taking two more flyers on what could be the most important things to put in between D'Lo and Cat. I certainly like the idea. The only thing that I have uh, Wes Wilcox in my brain about is you already have Okogi and Culver and then you're adding two more wings. It's just a little bit hard envision them all playing but i do like just as many as many as many um shots at it as you can have right it's like stack stack your lottery picks um i i don't have a ton of guys that i'm specifically pegging for like 15 or 16 uh, if you have any you can let me know the only guy i have is like patrick williams uh, i think i don't remember if i brought him up to you before or offline or not but he's also florida state right yeah he's florida state gotcha. yeah he, he's like a like a six eight just athletic he can block shots they i think i've heard some people say they believe in his shot that it can be uh improve long term and he's kind of just like a fill in the gaps type of player like they don't have like a rangy athletic four and he just I don't know. I, yeah. The stuff that I read about him seemed to be a nice fit, but I don't know. Yeah, I believe someone was saying on one podcast I was listening to, someone said that he put on like too much muscle while he was at Florida State and like he actually got slower. Oh. And But he's just like, yeah, like you said, he's like 6'8", just like big athletic monster. And uh, I've actually heard some positive things about his like uh, ability to put the ball on the floor too. Like some people believe in his passing and his pick and roll ability. And then just the fact that he's like 6'8", and athletic like that is get some block shots, get some steals. I think the knock on him is he's a little raw and you don't know if the jumper will develop. And then also if he ends up not being able to get any, like uh, get his foot speed any quicker, that could end up limiting like a lot of his defensive skills. 
but yeah, he's like some. I think he'd be like my number one target with that fifteenth pick. Is like because uh, then you could if you do that, like you kind of go like whatever. But if you end up going like best available with your first pick, like whatever they view that being, like if it's a wing ball handler or whatever, like I think Pat Williams is still like a great guy to pick with their that pick. And uh, just some of the guards I wrote down who might be there is like RJ Hampton and Tyrese Maxey. I know I'm pretty high on Maxey. Like from what I've heard, he was like a great shooter in high school too. Like um, super high volume, like really far behind the three-point line, like tough shots. And he was making like 36, 37%. And he just kind of had a bad shooting year at Kentucky. But just from the sounds of it, he's like just one of the, he can be, he's a little undersized, but he's like super strong. He kind of, Everything I haven't heard this comparison yet, but everything I've heard reminds me of like what Eric Gordon does for the Rockets now. Just that six three super strong guard who can uh, guard up a few positions because of how strong he is, athletic enough to switch, and then can attack a switch on the other end, and he shoots and spaces the floor. So I think that'd be a great person to have. Um, he'd be a great switch up because, I mean, Minnesota could definitely use a little more shooting, like I said, and then playing in space like that will probably be able to get to the basket even better. And just someone who can hopefully be a plus defender at his position, even though it might be like barely a plus and it's like the least important positions, but might end up being able to be a solid defender and just kind of like secondary ball handler, 3 and D type, type from the guard spot. So he's someone I really like. And then RJ Hampton, uh, just think he'd be a good guard, good counter to have in there. I guess maybe it's not a fast system to just shoot the ball early in the uh, shot clock or whatever it is, but um, be a good pick and roll guy to run with Cat, someone who really slashes, tries to get to the basket, and then you have Cat popping. I think that could look pretty good and just like a big guard to put back there with D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, uh, I like like the ideas of those guys. Uh, the only other one, Sadiq Bey is like another 3 and D type player mm-hmm. that, uh, yeah, that's exactly like the Wolves. Like you just what we've been saying, throw another wing into the mix. Uh, that's been mocked somewhere around there, but, but yeah, I like I like all those ideas. Yeah, and then maybe even they sh- they could be willing to use that thirty third pick to couple with the fifteenth pick. Maybe try and move up to like twelve or something like that, and grab like a if someone who like we mentioned earlier ends up dropping to like late lottery. Maybe you can grab like another one of the wings who is projected to go higher or something like that. But I think that's something to consider too. Usually I don't like trading up, but I think if it's I think the 33 and 15 can get you probably the highest can get you is 12. But that's probably still pretty unlikely. But if you're trying to go to 13 or 14, if, you, if like your guy gets done one spot before, maybe that's something you're looking to doing. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even consider that, but that definitely an idea. They also, I'm not sure how keen they'd be on bringing three rookies on the roster. They mm-hmm. do have, I mean, they don't have the greatest end of the bench, but they, I think they have like 13 to 14 bodies already that are, I'm pretty confident are going to be on the team. So real quick before I get into any of the specifics of trade, I'll just talk about how they have James Johnson, who's a good filler salary at around 16, 17 million that can be used to do some good things with. And then they have the three picks and the top 33 this year can be good to attach. And then lots of young players who might end up being sweeteners or who knows, but they're, in a pretty decent position to pull off a trade. So the one thing I forgot to mention in the beginning when it comes to off-season strategy is uh, they need to blow the Suns' phone up about Devin Booker. I actually saw something today about how apparently he wasn't too happy that the Suns themselves didn't try to get D'Lo at the trade deadline. So with that being that said, too. yeah, with that being said, and just for anyone who doesn't know, those three have always talked about playing together and they're always like their best friends and stuff like that. And they've been, the Devin Booker has been rumored to go to the Wolves for a while to play with them. So now that two of them are already in one spot. With that being said, how does Johnson, Culver, Akoji, and as many picks as they want sound? 
I guess we it, could say like three or four. Yeah. So how does it sound? Like, I mean, four picks sounds like way too many, but man. So I, I had this, I had this as like, a, I have to bring it up. But I didn't, I wasn't sure if you actually want to talk about it. I had some, so I had Culver, James Johnson. That I didn't even have Okogie. I had more of like a filler guy. Uh, cause I think they have to send out 23.6 million to make it work. I did punch that in. Oh yeah, but, that might be. I might be a little short then. No, I think you. I think you're fine. So Kogi, okay. uh, no, I think I think that's good. Okay. But man, well, the first thing is you have three guys that get you to like almost a hundred million or maybe ninety ninety five or something. You just and you have zero picks going forward. So you're 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 ultimately you're testing the grab three stars and does it work to the absolute max because. Like, so what else would they have tied down in this? They would literally have, like, oh, well, I guess they'd have Wancho and Beasley still. Yeah, and then maybe, like, Jake Lehman if he made it. Um, yeah, yeah. No, they'd have Lehman still, too. <laughs> uh, Nas Reed, I guess. Uh, so, I mean, the only problem with that is they would be deep into the tax, I think, with, like, paying Beasley and Wancho. <laughs> but pretend for the moment that they would actually pay it. <laughs> I mean, four picks, I'd probably have to say no, but I guess it's super enticing. Just, just why, why not? I mean, Minnesota's yeah. been Minnesota's been going in all in on offense. Like, <laughs> would you actually want to do this? Um, yeah. So I, I was thinking the same thing. It's like it's testing the grab three stars theory. Which I do like. Yeah, but, but the only thing that sucks about that is like they all suck on defense. So that's just. That could be bad. It's like kind of like the idea. Okay, well, you're going all in on offense. Well, aren't they kind of doing that already? Like, obviously, Devin Booker is way better than um, anyone who'll be playing those minutes. But nothing we touched on earlier is like Dilo's already kind of ball dominant, and Cat needs the ball clearly. Like, how are you really getting like 100 percent of Booker if you're doing that? Like, I don't know. Maybe you're better off like having three support pieces now, and then all your picks going forward versus Booker. Like. I don't know. I mean, I say that, but I mean, that kind of sounds crazy saying that you're better off having role players than Booker, but it's just, I mean, the idea of it, they're only being one ball and they're all so bad on defense. But then also it's just like, if you can get those three on the same team, like maybe you just do it. Like, you I don't know. Figure, figure it out later. Yeah. I'm kind of torn because you know, one of the picks is going to be really good this year. And then the other picks probably won't be too good. I don't know. That's a tough one. It would be really hard. Like the picks definitely do matter, and especially if you're giving up Culver and Okogi, both of your defensive wing wing ideas, you just have like nothing left in terms of that. You maybe if you keep to keep one of the picks this year, you try to replace it that way. Like I said, it's also going to be really expensive. Ultimately, I mean, if this is NBA 2K, you do it in a heartbeat. Um, and I think it would be super fun just to watch. I for sure see it just flaming out very poorly, at least in like a handful of years. And knowing, oh, I don't know, knowing our, knowing Minnesota luck, they would those picks would turn out to be like amazing, like the Kyrie yeah. to the the Kyrie to the Clippers type thing. But man, I don't know. I I guess maybe you just I don't know. I don't know if I can rationally answer this. Yeah, like there's that roster still has definitely still has a lot of weaknesses, and then then you factor in all the stuff you're giving up. But it's just that's a lot of firepower who are all young and under contract for a long time. You have a lot of time to figure it out. I mean, you don't you kind of never have a lot of time in the NBA, so that's relevant to NBA terms. Maybe it's two years, but. I mean, I think there's definitely like two years, two seasons you have of like no conflict or anything. You're just like whatever, like let's figure this out. Especially considering they're all best friends. Yeah. So I mean, do, they, do they have any other friends that are like <laughs> defensive minded that they can pull in for the minimum and then just like shovel them side cash or something like that? It's a great question. We need to look into that. So we'll get the research team on it. 
We'll have them stop I mean, their Facebook pages. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, you probably would do this because you're not that high on D'Lo and Kaz's future anyway, or at least you're certainly questioning it uh, probably to a high degree. It's like, I don't know. I feel like you would almost do this, even though you are more of like the fill out your team with the um, like pieces and role players, like obviously not like bottom barrel, but like you're a little bit more of a balanced approach, at least judging from our uh, $90 million rosters or whatever that was, $75 million. You know, I feel like everyone who podcasts has to deal with this, but like I feel like I've said so many things that conflict <laughs> against that, but it's like sometimes I'm like completely backing it. So who knows how I actually feel? I don't know. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, may I don't know. <laughs> That's such... would, would Phoenix do this? I mean, I think if they're well, looking, yeah, I'm saying if they're this, if they decide to do it, if they get that offer, that's kind of hard to say no. Like two solid pieces now and four picks is kind of like something we touched on to a lesser extent with Charlotte with uh, Devonte Graham. We we're kind of thinking hard about some of these deals, but then we we're like, well, they're already pretty bad with him, so like maybe you should be willing to accept a deal like that. Like. Would they do it? Who knows? But it's kind of when you think about it like that, like we've been bad with Devin Booker every year of his career. Like, yeah, there's a lot of other reasons. Like we've been good with him on the court most of those years. And there's been a lot of injuries. And then just like other times when he's led terrible rosters to be pretty good during his minutes. But just when he's not on the court, we get like destroyed. But still, like they've never really been good with him as a whole. So maybe you do think about moving him for that sort of offer. But I don't know. It's, it's really interesting. I think Booker is like one shade below like complete Godfather offer of like yeah. Culver and Okogie, both your young wings and four first round picks. Like that's just I think he's like a shade below. I do like Booker a lot, but that's like a, that's like a Kawhi level trade or like an Anthony Davis level trade. I think maybe you could talk Phoenix down just slightly. Then I would maybe be open to it. Well, the only thing about that is it's probably like the only way you get them is if you blow them away. Um, but I think maybe the way the only time the situation gets different though is if you're a team who's like one piece away, like you're one Devin Booker away from winning a championship. Kind of like why they got so much for Paul George, like it meant they were getting Kawhi too, kind right. of, and it was like that made that made them championship contenders. So maybe that's the type of that's when you consider that move, which I think it's clear we don't think Minnesota's in that position. So yeah, I mean I think I would lean towards not doing it, honestly, though, and probably wouldn't ha- wouldn't ha- uh, would have to make sure that doesn't get out the cat in Delo. I was about. That was the next thing I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to keep that one on the low. But, yeah, I think you're better off because, like, maybe you look at it like this. You're getting 70 to 75% of what Booker does from Beasley, but then you still have, like, a two picks this year, like, one potentially being number one, and then, like, two more picks going forward. Like, I think when you think about it like that, maybe that's a stretch that you get 75% of Booker from Beasley. But, I mean, if Beasley played like he did in the 15 games – what he played then i don't think that's a stretch that's probably wrong that's probably too low so yeah that that one i would have to sit and think about long and hard i mean i did think about it a little bit i kind of didn't imagine that four pick so what i had written down was like if if they drew like first or second this year and then you gave like a 2023 unprotected and then culver i mean that's like three premier ish assets possibly i mean maybe you would say that the 2023 pick's not going to be good because you're going to be good with those three guys yeah, maybe so maybe you have to give up one more pick with that. Maybe three is like the sweet spot instead of four. Yeah, maybe you get a little like deeper. I'd have to look. Like I don't even really know Phoenix's cap situation. I'm pretty sure this would work both sides. But if you structure it as a sign-in trade around Beasley, and then you throw lots of, then you throw like three picks or so with Beasley and a Koji or something like that, then you can still keep Culver. Or maybe that's how you structure it to make it a little easier to do. But I don't know. Yeah, so I actually. I actually saw like Canis Hoopus, Hoop Hoopus is which is a Timberwolves blog. 
they actually had someone put out today. Uh, they built, they put it up as a four thousand word Devin Booker write up. So it was like too daunting for me to actually read. But yeah. I know, I know that he had uh, it structured as a sign and trade with Beasley. So I think that that probably makes a lot more sense in both that you can give Phoenix more value, you can take away some of the redundancy on Minnesota side, and you could probably pull back some of the draft capital. So I think that that probably makes a lot more sense but maybe if you're minnesota you're like well we want beasley and but you know we want all of it because then that's how we're going to be good so i mean i could see trying to keep him out but it probably makes more sense if you keep him yeah definitely a conversation though um do you have like a more realistic person first because i have like one yeah i have one guy who kind of see as like a really a realistic option and just kind of like i really like the fit what if yeah, I do. So, what if... I feel like there's a chance we're going to have the same guy. Maybe. What if uh, they called up Indiana and they could actually get Oladipo with, like, the first or second or third pick this year, James Johnson, and then not an elite other guy. Or, well, maybe not elite, yeah. but, like, just, just like a role bench filler. Guy. So, that's, like, the highest-end player I had. That's not the guy I was just now thinking of, but, like, I thought of Brogdon or Oladipo. Um because it's hard to weigh their trade value because I think there's some weird stuff going on right now with all the people about like how he's yeah. only playing. Games. I haven't looked into it yet. I just saw it in a group chat I'm in. Like, he's, I don't know. He said he wasn't going to play. Like, he like opted out or verbally. And then all of a sudden he's been working out and he's like, well, maybe I'll play. And then there's like a weird thing where they're like, well, of course you have 3 million uh, reasons to play because that's like the money he would forego by not playing. And then, yeah, it's just been, like, kind of weird if, yeah. if he's actually going to suit up or try to play or say that he's too hurt. So, yeah, it's been this, goofy. This might be completely wrong, so no one aggregate me. <laughs> uh, I think, I thought I saw somewhere that he was going, like, Indiana was going to pay him, like, regardless of if he played or not. But then, like, it got out and, like, they couldn't do that, so that's why I decided to play. Again, I don't even know where I think I saw that, but I think I might have saw that. No, I think that's right. I think it is actually between the NBA and, like, the Players Association or something. Like, Indiana wants to pay him, but the league wants to, like, set a precedent where players just can't sit out and get their money. I don't, I don't know the final details, but I saw something similar. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, I wrote him and Brogdon down because Brogdon's, like, to a lesser extent, um, just betting a little more on D'Lo and Russell getting, like, a very solid third option or probably, I mean, just... Maybe even overall impact better than D'Lo because factor in defense and how Brogdon excels at being a role player, but be a very great like third option on offense and then run the show when Oladipo's not there. And he's actually a great slasher too. From the, he's like great at like straight line drives, getting all the way to the basket, attacking closeouts. So that would actually probably be a real nice fit with uh, all the shooting and potential spacing around. And like I don't, it's kind of hard to uh, see who has more trade value between him and Oladipo. Who would cost more because of uh, just everything that's going on with Oladipo and like if he plays, like we don't even know what he's capable of so that's kind of a tough one to weigh but yeah i like both of those guys on minnesota right but i mean maybe that's what you're banking on if you're minnesota get like a distressed asset who could be a superstar he was a two-way player in his prime like he's someone who can actually defend which they don't have a lot of so i mean maybe that'd be some of the thinking like yeah. obviously we know we don't have a surefire thing here but we're we're taking a chance on pulling somebody who's like was a star when he's healthy and it's only 28 so i mean he's a little bit older than like their core but it would be uh it might be a worthy dice roll yeah oladipo too he's a great slasher so maybe he'd even excel in yep. space who knows how much athleticism he has left um, I mean, everyone's social decline at that age plus his injury, but maybe in the open floor like that, he can channel some of his old days. 
So would you trade like the third pick for him? That, yeah, that's what I was just about to say. Um, that's just tough to do. And then he ends up like if he ended up not having anything left, and then Oladipo has the option to walk pretty soon. But I think if you're willing to acquire him and then pay him, you probably have a pretty easy route to keeping him. Um, but I think I might. I think I would just because of the fact that like we struggled so much with like what we would do with this pick anyway. We we're like, okay, all these like primary ball handler guys, probably high ceiling, like don't really have a fit on the roster that that Minnesota front office bet on. And then also just the idea that if not, if I don't take one of those primary ball handler guys, like I almost sold myself on like a role, someone who probably is gonna be a role player as being like my number one target for them. So maybe you just take the risk and go for Oladipo, someone who if he is healthy, that's like the exact type of player you'd want to add. So yeah, I think I would be able to talk myself into it. Yeah, I mean, if my medical team said that he was 90% gonna be stay healthy, or like if I knew he was gonna be between like 90 and 100% of his old self, I think I would for sure do it um, for like yeah. third, fourth or fifth pick. Maybe if it was first or second, I might have to think longer, but but no, that's something I'd be interested in. Yeah, definitely. That was like, I don't have many trades for them, but that was one of the mo- most realistic, like high scale ones I had to um do you have any more on that one or you want me to hit you with one uh nothing more on oladipo i have a few more i like but uh you go first so this is the guy i was thinking you were about to say a little lower scale aaron gordon he was on my list okay um yeah i mean i think he'd just be great fit as that uh forward beside guy he doesn't really protect the rim all that well but he at least gives you just a really good defender from that spot and he'd probably be a nice offensive fit considering he'd slash pretty hard or just maybe he can just rim run or something. And he, we haven't actually seen him in that role yet where he's just in space rim running and with shooters around him. So maybe he could function as a little bit of an offensive center than try and beat switches or just kind of put the opposing bigs in really tough situations. Like do we put our five on Aaron Gordon and then leave a smaller guy on Cat because Cat's playing away from the rim more. Maybe put some in a predicament. And then, like I said, too, how he can handle the ball a little. He'd probably thrive in a up uh, fast-paced system like that it gives him another really good defender and then you just look at the fact that there's i didn't write any specific trick because i think there's a lot of different weird ways it could go depending on how like uh players are valued in the deal but you look at johnson obviously for the filler and then maybe you do like johnson akoji this is what, what i wrote down would be the ideal one for the wolves would be like johnson akoji and then maybe the nets pick this year how do you think what do you think about that one i like it even when you started to say it when you started to say what it was before i because i i have down just like their better pick but then i was thinking like maybe if you could keep that what would you have to do? I think that is good value. Like, yeah, like fifteenth pick in Okogi. I mean, would the would the uh, Magic do that? Might be a uh, little light. It might be, but they were also there was that one thing going around that they were really trying to move him at the deadline, and they need they love defenders, and they just yeah, need they like yeah, they need another guard or two, and I think swapping them out for. Koji, someone who's a rotation player, helps out at a position need, even though it's not this type of player they necessarily need. And then just another solid pick. I mean, they'd probably end up giving them like back-to-back picks. They probably have like the 15th and the 16th pick then. Plus they have uh, Chumo Kiki coming back, so that'd be another. It was like the 15th or 16th pick the year before. Um, yeah, I think maybe they'd consider that. I mean, I definitely they'd consider it. Uh, I'm not sure if they'd be able if they, It might end up being a little too late. Maybe if you add like the 33rd pick too or something but i think it's definitely a deal to be made there what about just like the fifth pick in johnson i was thinking that might end up being a little too much from the wolves too much? yeah 
I mean, may, I think actually, no, I'm kind of thinking of that like as just like general fifth pick value, but it's also something we've talked about before how this, like that pick value doesn't always necessarily like equate to the strength of the draft. Like when teams, it's like that driving the car off the lot thing is like when you have the ability to make that pick, like, um, and you get to be the one, like, pick what you want, like that just holds more value and you talk yourself into things more. So I think I think the fifth pick might have more value. But I don't know, maybe if that's the only way to get it done and you get to keep a Koji too, maybe that does make it worth it because then you still have a Koji 15th pick and 33rd pick to, or 15th and 33rd pick to improve and just have a Koji on the roster. So I could probably be talked into it after I've explored all my options. Then, especially if like, so you're saying like if this pick was like the fifth pick? Yeah. Yeah. Especially if it ends up being like fifth and like maybe like my top two or three guys are like, or like the Wolves are gone, then I could probably be talked into it. Okay. Let me hit you with one. Yeah. I like this one a lot, actually. What if they just traded Johnson and the Brooklyn first for Gary Harris? Yeah. I mean, I like that. That might end up, might be a little rich for Gary Harris. Too much. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. Could be. Considering, I mean, I, mean but, I, don't, I don't think he has that much value right now. He's probably negative on his deal. Uh, but, but like, uh, as a but player. Just John, but just Johnson in a second, but Denver's probably not too interested, are they? They do like to save money. Um, I don't know how much saving like four million would do for them, so probably not enough. But maybe do like Johnson a Koji, but is he that maybe like Johnson a Koji in the thirty third? Yeah, but then I mean, are you that? I guess I don't know. Maybe, is he that big of an upgrade? I don't know. I guess. Well, yeah, I guess probably overall player wise, not that much of an upgrade. But then factor in fit fit wise, um, I think he is like so, like a better fit and. I mean, some people were like lobbying for Gary Harris to be like all defense this year. They're that they at least like made the case for him. So I mean, maybe the defense could be even better because I think he is a little bigger than Akoji. But Akoji, I think, yeah. isn't he more known for like locking down like point of attack, like guards and stuff? Yeah, I don't know. That's I, that is interesting though. I didn't think about. And I'm I've like mentioned Gary Harris for like almost every other team. I don't know why I didn't think of him here. Yeah. I think it's because. Like, just knowing they already made that deal with Beasley and stuff, I didn't even click on Denver's page. Like, nothing, like, ran oh. through my ran, nothing ran through my head. That would be funny to see uh, Beasley and Gary Harris, like, fighting for a starting spot again. True. Or maybe you go the other way and say they have a good trade relationship that they can pull off another trade. <laughs> yeah. But, no, I, I kind of forgot that Beasley came from Denver. I briefly thought about uh, Jeremy Grant. Like, I love Jeremy Grant's fit in here. Like, I basically love him yeah. on every team. And then I was like, <laughs> okay, so, so we do a sign-and-trade with uh, Malik Beasley, send him back to Denver. Double signature. Yeah, double signature. Um, yeah, actually, I like Gary's, Gary Harris's fit. Probably, it'd be tough to find that deal, though, because, like, I was thinking uh, that 15, that's, I feel that might be pretty aggressive for him, but, I don't know, maybe there's not a middle ground you can find. Or... Maybe you could do, like, 15 for 25 yeah, I was just saying, or something, and then throw actually, in a second. Yeah, so actually, I think they have the, like, do pick swap with it. That probably, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think they're, like, 25th, because they're, like, third in the West right now. They don't have their pick, though. I think they have Houston's pick. Or... Oh, really? Those they they swap picks a lot. Um, I can pull it up while you uh, get ready for your next trade. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, they have Houston. They have Houston's, which okay. is going to be like twenty-two-ish. Yeah, a little better. And maybe you go fifteen to twenty-two. Then you probably have to give something else because this draft, like, you could get your fifteenth guy at twenty. Yeah. Maybe you go fifteen and thirty-three for twenty-two in uh, Harris. There you I go. don't know. Maybe you can find some decent value there. Uh, I mean, you could, you could figure it out. So I have another one that's actually kind of similar to that. It's the, basically the same structure, but not definitely not the 15th pick. There'd be probably tough negotiations to figure out the pick to make it fair, but it's Johnson and whatever picks for Terry Rozier. 
Just the idea. Of, also, also had that on my list. <laughs> yeah, just the idea of getting like a guard who's a legit defender, and he's he's great being the two this year. Like he probably won't admit that he was the shooting guard, but he was the shooting guard. And like his and he shot good. shot really well. Yeah, he shot great on like hot, super high volume. Like I think we talked about in Charlotte, like, he was like around eight threes a night. Great shooting, pretty good defender from his position. He'll get to run the show in the non-D-low minutes, and he'd probably thrive. I don't know how Charlotte played. I know they were a pretty bad offensive team from what I remember, but I know he'd probably thrive in an up-paced system. So, yeah, what, what were you thinking about uh, draft capital, though? I think I think uh, maybe that was wrong. I, I had just, like, a second-round pick because, I don't know, it, behind the theory, maybe they just want to get off of him, which doesn't make a ton of sense because they just signed him yeah. and nobody goes to Charlotte, but... I don't know. He like came up on I think one of Hollinger's like worst contracts, top ten, which actually surprised me because I thought he was fine this year. Yeah, and a, yeah, with only two years left to that, maybe is it is it two or three years left? It was just a three year deal, so it would just be two left. Oh yeah. So, um. So yeah, I have a second, but I mean, I don't know. I feel like a Brooklyn the fifteenth pick's too strong. No, or do you think? Yeah, that de- even yeah, do definitely. It? I wrote okay. down like uh, Rozier for Johnson and some quality seconds, with some question marks after that, like. I was thinking, because I was thinking one second's probably not enough for, like, kind of like the reason you said, like, they don't want to dump him because they just made the, they went out of their way to get him and pay him that contract. So maybe you look at your second, I mean, is Okoji too much to give up there? Because I think, yeah, I mean, yeah, I kind of think so. But. Yeah, I mean, he might be the best. I don't know. I mean, with Terry Rozier shooting the way he did at that volume, I don't think, I don't think Okoji would be the, is the better player. But, I mean, on his rookie scale contract, that changes things, so. Uh, Charlotte, pro- Charlotte probably wouldn't be that interested in doing it, though. Yeah, maybe you could do, like, your second this year and, like, Jake Lehman or something. I don't know. I mean, maybe, obviously, plus Johnson. But, uh, or Spellman. Maybe if they like one of the Warriors guys that they didn't use, the Wolves didn't use. Yeah, true. I don't really think anyone's too high on Jacob Evans. Uh, and I mean, he obviously, I don't think he has any sort of trade value in the league. I mean, him and Spellman were essentially dumped on rookie on like like yeah. into, I think they were both like Spellman was the thirtieth pick of the first round, and like Evans was like twenty eight or twenty nine. So they were dumped on like the lowest of low first round deals. So, yeah. but I mean, if maybe someone believed in Spellman like we did, uh, you could do Spellman in some seconds, and no one second's already the thirty third pick, but. Yeah, I don't think there's a deal there to be made, but he's definitely someone I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I only have one more guy. I have one more team, but uh, like a few different guys on the team I like. So you can go with <laughs> Okay, so this is probably unrealistic, so we can go quick, but uh, Marcus Smart, I would love on this team. <laughs> I thought about it. I was like, that, I, that makes so much sense, but it's never going to happen, so I didn't even like, try to configure it. What, what, what if you offered the second pick and James Johnson? They still wouldn't do it. Ainge loves his draft assets. Oh. <sighs> I think you maybe have to do that as Boston. Like smart, we had this conversation when we talked about him. Like I go back, I go back yeah. and forth so much about like how if like what he brings is how replaceable it is. Like obviously you're not gonna get the defender and versatility, but if we're just talking about overall impact, like can that be made up from like just two solidish players? Like maybe, like maybe, and it's maybe worth taking. Like would so I guess would I rather have Smart or like a top like top three prospect? I don't know. Like I mean that's. I might lean towards the prospect, especially especially if it's possible. If I could get like one more rotation player like from Minnesota back, just so like I can fill that rotation spot because that was yeah. Like, but, but Minnesota needs rotation players, and they have no way to get more. So it's that's the offer. <laughs> just Johnson in the second. Well, I guess Johnson actually is kind of yeah, a rotation. He's not, he's not yeah. terrible actually. Um, maybe get Johnson a Koji in the second. I'll do it. 
That's yeah, what I mean, Ange. That's what Ange would say. Ange would ask for a three first. Yeah, I mean, kind of a coachy actually is like that type of person I was just talking about. Someone who can replace some of what he does. Obviously, not the same extent and stuff, yeah, but just a way better version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another one I was thinking. Wow, we were really on the same page for this. But the last, I mean, it's kind of like a few similar players here too. So I just kind of wrote the Pelicans down because I really like the idea of Lonzo, Josh Hart. Uh, even Drew Holiday and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. I think all of those guards make a lot of sense next to D'Lo. Um, can we recreate our trade? Yeah, too bad Covington's not here anymore. Oh, I, can, I can have the whole Pelicans Twitter hate me. Um, I legit got attacked by 30, 40 Twitter accounts that day. Oh, that was low-key one of the greatest moments. Yeah, that was when we were doing our mock trade deadline this year. I sent Sam as the uh, Timberwolves. I was... Pelicans, I sent him Lonzo, Josh Hart, I think one Laker pick and like three quality seconds for uh, Robert Covington and the Twitter sphere lit me on fire for that. I I got re- I got retweeted by like one Pelican account though. And like so it was like all Pelicans fans who saw it. So that's part of the reason like oh I got like roasted so bad. But I mean, we even talking about it. People were freaking out about like the second round picks. They were like just counting the total asset assets. They're like, Oh, you're giving up five assets. I was like, the Pelicans have like fourteen people on their roster plus someone they stashed last year who's coming this year, plus like three picks already and like a million seconds going forward. Like roster spots are a huge issue for them for one. You're freaking out about seconds and like that Laker pick, there's a good chance it's not even good. And there's also a good chance that Lonzo and Josh Hart aren't even like able to be like legit starters. Like this was, yeah, I mean, I got lit up. It was when Lonzo Ball was on fire, but reading the replies were some of my favorite things. Like somebody was just like, "Why don't you throw Zion in?" <laughs> I didn't look up from my like phone for like the legit next like the whole day. I was just like clapping back at so many people like in so many Twitter arguments. Oh, I love it. Um, uh, but yeah, what's your what's your idea today? Uh, I didn't write a specific one down, oh. but uh, I kind of just tossed around the idea of maybe you do like Spellman and the Nets pick for one of those guys. Uh, obviously, that's not enough for Holiday, but like, uh, and Spellman is actually someone who could actually look really good next to Zion, being shown some flashes of that uh, three and D from the center spot. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Lonzo would be a great defensive guard to pair with this group. Plus, just like great. You, you need someone who's just going to move the ball like that. He's not like a pick-and-roll elite passer, but he's a great ball mover, ball mover, which would be like great to have between D'Lo and Cat uh, and just shooters and just playing in transition. He just He's famous for his like, pass ahead. So, I mean, and D'Lo, like we were talking about earlier, he has like great vision, and every once in a while it breaks out like a nasty pass. So, I mean, I think that would just be a super fun offense to watch, and you get better on defense there. Uh, kind of similar ideas with Alexander Walker. It's just your pairing a big guard with D'Lo, like, and I believe in his like three and D abilities. But then I, I think he definitely has like he is very aggressive with the ball, so he has some scoring potential there too. And he he, he made his calling card like wouldn't have much of one. He's pretty bad this year, but like in in college, like he was known for like being a super hard player. Uh, yeah, he played like super hard on both ends. Good positional size, would be a good defender. Um, and he shot like thirty four percent from three this year, but like he was still taking like crazy tough threes. So you would hope that one, it just naturally gets better, but two, maybe shot selection gets slightly better. And yeah, just I, I believe it's three and D potential plus this like a little bit of extra scoring. So I think he'd be a good fit next to D'Lo as your uh, your other guard. And then Josh Hart's a little different. It's a little different vein there. Just kind of looking at three and D from the two guard spot, but also some ability to play up some and 
even handle the ball a little. And then Holiday's kind of goes back to the idea of Oladipo or Brogdon, but you probably, I don't know, probably tough negotiations. Like maybe you, you, you might not want to give up your pick for him, like the elite pick, but it's kind of just the same category. We don't really have to touch on him too much. But what do you think about the three young guys? Yeah, I like Ball. I like Hart. Um, I don't know that much about Alexander Walker, and I know that he had kind of a shaky start to the season, but obviously he's a rookie. Um, I mean, I would love Drew there for sure, but yeah, the value would be really hard. He's 29, so he's like slightly older than you probably prefer with Cat and D'Lo, oh, but he'd be a perfect fit. Like, he's a defensive guard. That, um, yeah, I wanted. I was big on the Warriors trying to get uh, Drew Holiday yeah, to pair. Cool pair with D'Lo or I mean um, for the Pelicans to try and get what's try and get uh D'Lo to pair with them yeah no yeah I would, I would like those guys um yeah I like Hart probably a good amount too just because do you, do you think that um do you think the Nets pick would be too much to give up for Hart because I mean part of it is probably just little reputation wise like I don't he might be a better player than Lonzo when you like really break it down but um I think if you just hold really? people well that's what I'm saying I don't know which one I would actually think but I think if you're just asking people I feel like People are probably going to say Lonzo's better, but Lonzo's—I mean—he has a really high cap hold for um, summer. He, he's going to eat into any space you might have. Hart will still have a pretty low cap hold, and like uh, will have a pretty low salary that uh, twenty-one season before he hits free agent soon. Uh, but yeah, like that's, uh, I don't know who I'd consider to be the better player, but I think Lonzo might have more trade value despite being more expensive and uh, super high cap hold. Yeah, I agree. I think I think Hart is maybe more like interchangeable whereas Lonzo is like a specific type of player but I think Lonzo is probably better at least he certainly would have more trade value I, I one thing too I, I think it hinges on like how real his shooting this year was like if he can if he's a legit 38 percent three-point shooter on like decent volume going forward um that changes the game with uh, Lonzo which I don't really believe in that much I don't think he'll maybe he settles in around 35 36 which is still like really good uh for what he does but yeah, if he's a legit, like, 38 and plus three-point shooter, that kind of changes things a lot. Right. Uh, I'm not so sure. Yeah. And he's about to get expensive. I like Lonzo, but I don't know if I would specifically like him for the Wolves to target with, like, a good a trade asset, good draft asset. Yeah, but, I mean, how good of an asset really is, like, the 15th pick in this draft? Oh, well, that one? Yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. The, all these are talking about, like, with the Nets pick. Yeah. The, uh, ball for the 15th pick. Would Pelicans be on board with that? Uh, probably not, but I mean, I think they, maybe they would with Hart, because I feel like they got to make a decision somewhere with some of these guards. I mean, they're, maybe they're just going to bet on all the young guys and let Holiday and Reddick age out, but I don't know. I mean, I think that's probably, based on what David Griffin's done so far, I think that's what it suggests he's probably going to do, just let the older guards age out and, uh, then let all these young guys take over and build with all of them. He hasn't really, like, pulled the trigger on too many consolidation type moves or just, like, long play asset moves, which is kind of the route I probably would have taken where just like kind of cashing in stuff for future assets to try and really, really build for the future with like now that you have this like superstar uh, or potential superstar in Zion, that's depending on how real you actually think he is. But yeah, um, that's all I have for trades. If you do you have anything else? Nope, that was all mine. Uh, ultimately, like I said, top. Well, at first I said that I don't think it trades that realistic, although these certainly do all appeal to me. But just like how much more shuffling does he want to do, really, um, as far as Rosas when they already like got eight or nine new players in this season? But we shall see. Um, you want to move on to free agency? Yeah. So, yeah, like we mentioned earlier, they're kind of looking at their full MLE. And you said they had their biannual exception, right? Yep. Um, yeah, but another thing we mentioned also, they're probably not going to want to go into the tax, so they'll most likely just weigh what they're thinking. Beasley and Wancho's extensions will take them, and 
Yeah, they'll probably just use whatever portion of that. And they'll have to say some of the MLE for their second round pick as well. So probably won't see them making anything too splashy. Maybe I I think the max I could see them using is probably like five to six million. And just considering like the type of players they can get. Um, so what are you thinking? Who do you think they pursue? So I've said this guy for a lot of teams, and this would be a coming home party. So I have Chris Dunn. It's kind of one of the only players they would actually... The same type of thing as Marcus Smart, right? Like a be like a yeah. defensive guard. He's kind of would be year two on uh, on offense or whatever. He play with Delo, however you want to shake it out. But obviously, just trying to cover a lot of his defensive holes, he would guard the best one or two from every team uh, when he was in the game. And maybe you could get him. I think I've fluctuated a lot on him because <laughs> I I think I've said a lot bigger number, maybe like Brett Lana or somebody. But it seems like some of the people I've read think he won't have much of a market. So maybe like three for 21 or something, even like 7 million a year. I think that sounds light, but again, based on yeah. what I've like read and heard, maybe it isn't. I think your number for Chicago was like three for 33, yeah, um, somewhere around good. there. But yeah, I mean, I agree. That'd make a lot of sense too. Um, I just, I ended up not writing him down though. Cause I thought he might end up having better offers. Maybe we're both wrong and he ends up going, maybe signs his qualifying offer. Who knows? But I agree with all that. We've already basically touched on all the reasons yeah. why. Um, so for the same exact reasons, uh, Anthony Melton, who I've seen some places project him to get all the way up to like four years for 50. But I mean, that kind of just seems wow. like, yeah. And it's like some people I trust. Like some, uh, I don't remember who it was, but it was. Or no, like not team, who you said. What team? Uh, Atlanta, I think, was like the main one. But it's like some people I trust and like some like really smart basketball opinions were saying that's what they think he's going to get. And I mean, I think that was that was before that was before people were saying the uh, cap was going to drop. I mean, you could have still projected it, but yeah, I mean, same exact reasons I project uh, project him. Maybe you can get him. I would try to get him like basically like similar to the what you just had for done, but you can go like four years for him because he's like really young. Um, but yeah, something like that. And then for the same reasons, I put down Austin Rivers too. Um, I think Houston's plan was always to. Because they were in a, they were really pinching pennies last summer, and they probably sold him on obtaining more rights to him um, by letting him get the minimum this year, and so he didn't come to their MLE last year. And I think the way that's set up now is like they have early bird for him or whatever, and he can get despite making minimum, he can make like up to like ten million or so or something like that. So I think that's what they sold him on. And if for some reason they're if like the owner, the cheap, the very 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 cheap ownership plays on them that uh, with everything going on now. We're not trying to pay you anymore. And like when his businesses have been publicly doing terrible also, like he can play all sorts of different reasons for that. But if it's the open market, maybe you offer him like very like one of those uh, same deals we just talked about. And yeah, a few others, but like I, those were like some for like basically the exact same reasons. Yeah. I mean, I have a few wings. I think they could use like a three, like Derek Jones Jr. Yeah, I really like his fit. Yeah, and he's unrestricted. So you could throw the full mid-level at him if you wanted. Uh, Glenn Robinson the third. He is also Derek, is Derek Jones Jr. unrestricted? Uh, I believe so. Okay, I know he's like been on a lot of weird deals, but I I've always yeah, he, th- thought he was restricted. But I'm, I don't think so. I think I just assumed because it was like his first time hitting free agency was that, been, and I know with all his weird contracts. Yeah, it's because of like his weird background. Like you're getting that. Um, we can have the research team check in the meantime. But I also have um. I also have Glenn Robinson the third. He was already on Minnesota, but just like a three who can shoot. Um, then I have some like vets that probably would never come here. Jay Crowder, Damari Carroll, three and D's. Kind of what you said earlier, throwing wings in between your two stars. Yeah, I had all those same guys. Um, I ended up not writing Jay Crowder and Damari Carroll down, even though I thought about them for the reasons, like you said, you don't think they'd ever come. 
Maybe you can price him out of other places, though, but I don't think... I mean, maybe just Damari Carroll can't play anymore because uh, San Antonio bought him out of, like, a multi-year deal this year, and uh, Houston's got him at the minimum, so maybe he's not able to get any more than minimum, so you offer him, like, a couple million, you can get him. But yeah, but if maybe, a guy, yeah, if so a guy maybe can't play can't anymore, play. you don't yeah. really want him. <laughs> yeah, exactly, so... But uh, it's actually crazy. They only have, like, one guy over 26 on their entire team, and that's James Johnson, who's probably not long for it, so maybe they wouldn't mind, like, a better two in the room. I don't know. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, and the only... I have a few more wings, so real quick, I'll touch on, like, I mean, these guys are basically wings, too. Uh, Langston Galloway, Brent Forms, uh, each one more. Each one more, actually, like, his fit, too. He'd be a good vet, and, uh, I mean, he's just really solid, 3 and D. He, has, he can actually put the ball on the floor. Great float game. Um, like and it. then, yeah, and then some of the other wings I have who are like kind of on the flyer ends of things, and I'm sure one of these guys you have, I'll go ahead and start with him, Josh Jackson. Oh, you know I had him down. <laughs> yeah. And then someone who we actually haven't mentioned yet, he has a player option who most people expect him to pick it up, but maybe you motioned his people that you'd be willing to pay him a little more is Stanley Johnson. I think this could be a like one of the few places he can maybe succeed. You play him at like your four beside Cat, let him just be up. And playing transition, maybe that would look kind of decent. And then uh, Damian Dotson. Yeah, I don't hate uh, Stanley Johnson. I feel like the internet does, and they think he's kind of never yeah. going to mount anything. I think I, I saw him, but I didn't even put him down. I Similarly, I had, like, MKG or, like, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, kind of in the similar mold, right? Like, very minimal offensive game, if any, and just kind of like a big-bodied four that you can throw out there and try to play defense. Because I actually tried to find, like, we always talk about how centers are so easy to find. I tried to find, like, a straight-up defensive center that they could just get for cheap, and I really didn't see any. Like, did you, I don't know if that's something you look for, but... There's not, like, I wrote down, like, uh, Willie Cauley-Stein, maybe be an option if they want, like, a change of pace defensive center, but I don't even know if he's that great at defense, and I don't know, there wasn't much out there, and I was kind of surprised. Yeah, I think the idea of, like, how replaceable center is, is just, like, there's, like, the prototype of, like, the offense-only guys, so you can find a lot of those, and there's this, the guys who, like, maybe just do everything, a little bit of everything, just not too well, but just, like, can exist on the NBA court. And then there's also like the guys who are just big and athletic, and you can throw them as your backup center for a few minutes here and there. I didn't specifically look for like a defensive-minded backup center, but just two bigs I wrote down who I'd be interested in like getting at some form of the MLE was Bobby Portis and Mason Plumley. Neither one of them would be like a priority, but it's just like if we didn't end up using it anywhere else and we could get them for like four or five million a year, I think I'd be down for it. Portis would be like the idea of just going for another offensive player if as your backup center, which you're probably fine with as your backup center and. Just having someone who can continue to spread the court. And then Mason Palmley just kind of like a okay at everything guy to play some uh, vet minutes and just be a all right backup center. And he actually has experience playing with Jokic a lot. So maybe you can run a few minutes here and there with him and Kat, see if that looks halfway passable on defense. If not, you can probably scrap it, but something to look at. That, so you actually touched on something I meant to ask you about earlier. I don't have any more free agency, do you? Uh, the only person I accidentally skipped over was KCP, but he'll probably have way better offers. Yeah, I yeah I like him for almost any team, but yeah, I didn't even write him down because I thought there was no chance he'd come to Minnesota uh, yep. or he'd have more money. Um, you mentioned briefly like having a center that could play next to Cat. Do you think that that is something that you would even consider? Because Obviously, the big idea with Cat is that he's so valuable because he can spread the floor as a center and stretch the court as like a 40% three-point shooter, which is amazing. But if his defense is so bad, like, would you even think about moving him to the four 
at least on defense and having like a true center next to him? Or do you think that that just like takes away a lot of his advantages? Well, he's actually like, because of how great of a shooter he was, this year people forget how like he made a living in college and for his first years in the girl, like uh, pros of punishing people in the post. Like, he's a great post player too. Like just such a gifted yeah. offensive player that, I mean, I think on offense, you can make it work pretty easily. Defense, um, I mean, I don't know. I think it's definitely something you could experiment with. Kind of like I said with Plumlee, you just maybe throw it out there. You see if Cat can hold his own or if you can, or just maybe he can't, but it's still the idea of just having two bigs just makes it better. And then he provides enough spacing on offense to allow like that uh, center who probably can't shoot to just crash. Um, yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I think that's probably all I have on that. Really, I mean, I'd be down to definitely down to experiment with it, especially where they are, and just maybe it works. Maybe it does something. Uh, people have meant, and you'd probably be like a great rebounding team too. So that's definitely something to consider. Uh, I know people have talked about uh, like Collins and Capella for the Hawks will be like maybe who knows how it'll work, but it's like they're still going to eat up every rebound. Like that's definitely some form of a plus. So yeah, something to look into. Okay. I agree. I I don't have any more free agents. I don't think that they'll do much ultimately. Like jumping ahead, but they might sign like one guy. I think they have a they have three picks. They have not a lot of. I mean, they have no cap space, and they uh, aren't exactly a free agent destination. Yeah. Um. Uh. I just, I'll cut this part here, but I just zoned out for a second. Did you say they already? You have no predictions. Uh. So I accidentally started bleeding into that. I just said I had no from. I had no more free agents to list because they don't have really any room, and they aren't a free agent destination, and they have a lot of bodies and picks already. Okay. So do you want to just? I can toss you the predictions to. We can finish from there. Sure. Um. So what are your predictions? How do you think? Their offseason will actually go. Yeah, it's kind of like I was mentioning. They, I think they'll probably sign like one marginal free agent. I mean, ultimately, nobody comes to Minnesota. They also have tax <laughs> concerns, uh, like we talked about earlier. I think that they'll probably trade one of their picks because, uh, like we've been talking about a lot, they have th- three top 33 picks. Whether they just like kick the can down the road and trade for like the second for a future second, or maybe they combine the picks and try to move up, like you mentioned. I just think that they probably won't bring three rookies in. Um, could be wrong, but that's what I think. And the draft, it's like impossible to say without knowing their slot. Like they could literally be first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, or seventh at this point. And so I think I have to wait till the lottery to see what they will actually go for. I think that they'll shy away from the bigs, like we talked about, even though I did mention Toppin as someone that I would consider. Um, ultimately, I, I think that they would take a, a wing, another wing to put between their point guard and center of the future. I think they'll call around about James Johnson trade, and I think they definitely should. But know, it's really hard to tell in this environment, like if there'll be a lot of trading and movement in the offseason with like, because even after this playoffs, it's going to be so weird. Everyone's going to be able to say, is it one of a one in a million type of season? Like we would we yeah. would have played better if we didn't have the hiatus or whatever. There's so many different like caveats to this year that I feel like a lot of teams are going to try to keep it together and the front offices can sell themselves on running it back with the same crew. So I don't think they'll be able to materialize any great trade with Johnson. Um, and also, he's not a terrible fit. Like they have no veterans, like we said, and he's kind of like a Swiss Army knife. He can bank bodies a little bit at the three and four, so he's fine to keep around. But that's how I think their offseason will go. Yeah, agree with most of those pick options you said. To be a little more specific, I'll guess that they 
probably end up with definitely picking a wing out of one of those spots, whether it's like they fall with their in the lottery or they choose the 15th pick or they trade back. I just think there's a good, there's like a lot of wings who could make sense on this roster. And I think they'll try to just make sure to at least take a flyer on one. And I think the only trade I can really see them do, like, I think probably the most realistic James Johnson one might end up being the Aaron Gordon thing, just because, I mean, apparently they're really, Magic really trying to shop him. And it's just the salary lines up perfect where then there's like a lot of draft picks that there's a lot of ways to make value. If you're high on Gordon, low on Gordon, medium on Gordon, like there's a lot of different ways to even that out. So I can definitely see that happening and just looking at the fit from both sides. So yeah, and then free agency wise, I wouldn't be surprised if like they just signed no one. Honestly, didn't you say they already have like so many like roster spots accounted for? Yeah, especially if, if they end up keeping all three picks, like yeah, they probably won't go too much. Yeah. Uh, I guess we completely, well, we didn't fly over this. We talked about the whole pod, but we never put specific numbers to it. Real quick, what are your numbers for Wancho and Beasley? Let's just try and go as quick as we can to wrap it up. So Beasley, I just, like I said, I really think it's important to keep him. He kind of played against them that he played so well in like his 12-game stint. It like almost would have been better if he had done poorly, but... I got to think with the, oh, there's only like six teams with uh, space this summer and he's restricted. I got to think you could get him for 15 million or less. Yeah. I, I would be really balking at more than that. I don't know if I would ultimately like say, go find a better offer, but it's because the relationship side of it, yeah. but I think you should be able to get him for 15. Million. Yeah. I mean, just quickly to add to that, I don't think you're finding a better offer that because of the teams that have cap space, not like the most obvious fits on. So I think you probably find a like, good agreement around 13 to 15 for three or four years. And then Wancho, I mean, I can see this one going a lot of different ways, especially he played really well when he was in Minnesota too, but he still hasn't proven quite as much. So I think I can see his topping out around like 10 million a year. Wow. So I wouldn't, I would even hesitate to give him that much. I think you might like him a little more than I do. And also you, you've mentioned him for some other teams. Like, do you think he could get that from another team? 10 million a year? No, that's kind of like, I guess if you didn't even like consider other offers, that is, but I do think he's in play for some um, mid-level exceptions. So um, yeah, I think he's in play for mid-level exception teams. But would you would you match that if someone yeah. did three three for thirty whatever yeah is are at nine million yeah definitely match that I mean I think it's a worthwhile flyer just and just considering he's a wing and stuff and that'll be a tradable contract most likely but yeah if we're looking at like probably trying to place value on him just in a vacuum I think around like eight million a year so it's a good number. Yeah, I think I'd be hoping for like seven to eight, but ultimately I would match just because I don't want to lose an asset for nothing. And the Wolves have limited, like we've mentioned, yeah. limited routes to actually acquiring players. So you can always trade them later. Yep. Um, so do you have any questions? Well, I should have uh, been the one to prepare questions for you. I thought about telling you that because like I'm so <laughs> close to it that I almost am not sure if any of these are interesting. So I'm just going to rattle through a few. Um, true or false? The Wolves have won one playoff game since 2005. False. No, that's true. Ah. Uh. They, they beat the Rockets once. You, uh, the Jimmy you, Butler here. Jimmy Butler, and uh, that is their only win. So hats off to them. Uh, true or false? They selected two point guards, not named Steph Curry, directly ahead of Steph Curry. True. <laughs> yes. Uh, Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn. Yeah. No, so, somehow, like Minnesota's never talked about, but that story just comes up all the time, all the time, <laughs> and it just never gets old. So it's great. Um, what else do I hear? Uh, the Wol- I won't even ask you this. The Wolves have underperformed their point differential in terms of wins every year for 13 straight seasons. Yeah. Pretty impressive, huh? The, so the one I'm, year with- so what, I would say what I'm hearing there is uh, pound the under 
on uh, their Vegas over underline. Yeah, I'm trying to give uh, Chandler's Gambling Corner some tips. Um, no, the, the year with Kevin Love, when they, in my opinion, were actually good, they, their expected wins was 49, and they won 40 games. And so I was looking through, negative nine was the worst differential in the history of cleaning the glasses, uh, yeah. history of it. Um, so the Wolves have had seven All-Stars in franchise history. How many can you name? Uh, Kevin Garnett. Was Stefan Marbury one? <laughs> he wasn't, actually. Uh, Kevin Love. Yep. Two. Cat. Cat. Three. Well that's done. All, that's all I'm going to be able to name. Well, you know one more for sure. He played for one year, uh, two years ago. No, no Jimmy. Jimmy, Jimmy yeah. Buckets, yeah. Uh, then just to round it out, Tom Gugliotta, which was like in 99 oh. or something. Sam Cassell, his one good year here. And then Wally Zerbiak made one. Oh, yeah. I forgot about the Wally Zerbiak one. <laughs> That's great. And then the one real question I'll just ask you. So with the Jimmy Butler trade, do you like the one that they chose over the Miami one? So the, they got basically Dario and Covington for Butler. Yeah, but the heavily rumored one was like Josh Richardson, Kelly Olenek, and then a protected first from Miami. Just funny because he ended up going to Miami eventually for Josh Richardson, which is kind of uh, hilarious. But that's the one which tips like randomly started asking for more after they agreed yeah, to it. Yeah, oh, I mean, I think I'd take that one. For real? I think, yeah. I mean, just because Richardson was like, even then, they, that contract was even better. And um, Olenek's another serviceable, serviceable player. That pick, I think, ended up being a lotto pick. It was like the Tyler Hero pick, right? Probably would have been different had Butler went there, but yeah, because Miami, yeah, because Miami has not a lot of picks, so yeah, they, yeah, they, they, it was lottery protected, but yeah, it could have been the hero one. I do you think Richardson is better than Covington, even on value? Um, no, no, because because of what uh Covington does, he does that at like the three through five position versus like that the defense back. Just from watching him in Houston, like it's insane how great of a help defender he is. Like, um, yeah, I mean, I think he's just one of the best defenders in the league from what he does. And Richardson is a great defender at what he does, but he's just a kind of point of attack defender, which is a little different and not quite as valuable. But it, but also it's kind of like he does. He's able to probably floor raise a little bit more in offense and just uh, be a little bit more of a secondary creator. So I'm mean, gonna probably turn Covington being a little better. But it's probably just, close, right? The, the problem is they didn't even get a pick with the Philly trade, which was a little weird to me. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what's like the, the weirdest part. All right. Um, another funny thing is Covington is actually is exactly what the Wolves need, and they just traded him away, right? Like, wouldn't that be like the perfect guy to slot? Yeah, the cat? Exactly. They already had that, and it didn't work, so kind of strange. But uh, last question. So it's been the theme of the whole podcast, kind of. So D'Lo and Cat. Say they are both healthy next year. They gel pretty well. Culver gets a little bit better. They don't botch their pick, and they don't really sign anyone, but they keep the restricted guys. Like, what is not the best, best-case scenario, but what is, like, a realistic best-case scenario of how they can be next year? Like, is it 42 wins? Is it 35? Is it 50? Um, what is Maybe, like, 40 to 45. Like, maybe they actually outperform their point differential for once. Um they are like a top 10 offense and their defense is just good enough to not be terrible. Like maybe like 20th overall defense, kind of like the numbers we talked about earlier. Maybe you can grab an eight seed too. I mean, I think it's realistic. They can do some, they can be solid. Yeah. Like they could maybe contend with like the Kings and the Grizzlies or like a team that falls out of the playoffs, for example. Yeah, definitely. Well, it sounds like a bright future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I hope we didn't destroy your dreams of your Timberwolves too much. No, I, I mean, when you've been this bad for this long, you can't really do anything else to uh, dampen my spirit. Yeah, I feel that. So, um, who we got next? The Knicks? The Knicks, that's the last of the uh, deleted.
All right, and then I think we're going to be mixing in some more draft content. Got some exciting things to come. Y'all check us out on Twitter. Check out thedraftclass.com, and we'll catch you all next time.